Welcome to The Word This Week, where we believe that the Bible is more than just words on a page. They are the words we live by, and it's pretty cool too. We invite you to join us as we read through the Bible together this year. Welcome back to The Word This Week. I'm your host, Brian Vaughn, and this is episode 25. Man, that sounds monumental. But hey, next week is episode 26, which puts us at halfway, uh, which is great. And we so appreciate you guys uh, sticking with us and tracking with us. I'm really excited about this week's episode. Uh, Joining me are three of my friends that have been a part of our young adult and college ministry uh, for the last few years, Noah Trostel, Weston Johnson, and Luke Schof. And we've had a great discussion today about God's consistent love and grace, even in the face of his people's rebellion. There's a lot of other ground that, that we cover. And so please stick with us. And just one moment of housekeeping. You might hear some banging and clanging and drilling. We record this podcast at our church and we're doing some renovation to make room for for more people and more ministry. So if you hear that, just please forgive us and bear with us. So let's jump into this conversation with my friends. Hey guys, welcome. We're so glad you're here this morning. Glad to be yeah, here. Thanks yeah. for having us. Thanks for having I've, us. I've been looking forward to to this one, uh, having you guys uh, share with us. Uh, so let's just jump in. None of you have been on the podcast so far. So uh, why don't you guys introduce yourself? Weston, tell us about who you are. Yeah, my name is Weston Johnson. I'm a recent tech graduate. I'm a mechanical engineer by education, but a manufacturing engineer by trade. Uh, and I've known both of these guys for several years now through the gathering. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to be here with them. Yeah, awesome. Noah? Yeah, hi, I'm uh, Nova Trostel. Uh, I'm a master's student at uh, Tennessee Tech, and I'm studying environmental informatics. Um, I currently work at the 911 Emergency Communications doing GIS, um, and I've known these boys for a couple of years and some of my best friends at college. Yeah, that's awesome. And I just realized as you introduced yourself, I've been saying your last name wrong <laughs> for, the, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> for the last three years. Yeah. You knew that? Yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Trostel. Yeah. Not Trostel. Yeah, Trostel. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Yeah, you're forgiven. <laughs> Luke, how about you? Uh, I'm Luke Schof. I am not a tech graduate, but I have one more semester left. I'm a senior in mechanical engineering, uh, and I just got married a month and a half ago. And I've lived with Weston for a year and known both these guys for a long time. Yeah. So. Congratulations on living with Weston for... No, I'm, I'm, I'm getting married. Uh, uh, thanks. That's awesome. Um, so for, for all of you guys, um, and I've known you for a while now, and uh, I would definitely say that over the past... Uh, three or four years of seeing you guys grow in, in your walk with the Lord and your walk with Jesus. And, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, a lot of the people that you've, you've walked with and been in community with. Um, but my question for you as we get started here um, is how has Scripture played a role in that growth for you guys? I would say that Scripture is the driving force behind uh, spiritual growth for me, for instance. Now, the the community that I've had around me, whether it be the gathering or these friends that I have or you, whoever is uh, encouraging me to grow spiritually, it's usually through the avenue of Scripture. So you can't really experience true spiritual growth uh, yeah. in Christianity without 
being in the scripture, diving in and knowing it for yourself, uh, having community around you is great. But the purpose of that community is oftentimes to uh, encourage you, to push you to be uh, a better version of yourself. And one of the biggest things that that does is encourage you to get into scripture. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say kind of the same thing. And honestly, back that up with a more personal story, because my faith took off when I started college. So it, mm-hmm. this is my fifth year at college. It's crazy. Uh, but I fell into this great community at the gathering with a bunch of like sophomores and juniors. Um, and I went to small groups with them, like hang out with them all the time. I didn't read my Bible that much. It was a little bit. And then they left and graduated. And I was like, well, now what? Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have really anything to fall back on. So then I fell back on scripture and met some more good people, but really started focusing on scripture more and the gathering and Brian and started reinforcing that more. So that has now led to it's on my mind more. I think about it more. Mm-hmm. Like I can reference things or like apply it directly. And instead of driving to school or work in the morning, listening to the same song I've been listening to for two months, it's now like <laughs> thinking over Second Kings or Second Chronicles or yeah. Jonah or something, something really interesting instead. Yeah. yeah. Noah, how about you? A little different for me. I mean, my, my college experience, I mean, I, when I first started, I mean, I really wasn't a Christian, so I mm. became a Christian in college. And that's the one thing that, you know, has kept me grounded and the only thing that allows me to know who Jesus really is. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because it is that revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how John 1 says, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then you skip down a little bit, and the Word became flesh, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus is the Word. He's the He's the living Word, but the written Word helps reveal who he is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So we've been reading through the Bible. That's why we're doing this podcast, right? And uh, we are Second Kings, Second Chronicles. We've got three or four prophets jumping in at us this week. So as you guys have been reading, what's jumping off the page to you? One of the first things that uh, I really noticed was a pattern of repeated disobedience from God's people, mm. uh, whether that be the people of Israel or Judah, sometimes both. Um the people and their relationship with God, there's a pattern where the people fall away from God, repeatedly disobey him. Mm. God says, you need to come back to me. And they say, no, basically. Yeah. Um, and even when these the people repeatedly disobey God, his pattern of mercy to bring them back to him again and again and to show them mercy again and again, uh, but continually just, it's almost habitual how the people just almost want to fall away from God. Yeah. It's it's interesting you say the there's a pattern of mercy from the Lord, which that's definitely there. I, I'm seeing that more. I think this time I'm reading through scripture, I'm seeing that a lot more is how much it is filled with his grace and his mercy. Hmm. Um, but as we get into some of these prophets, there's some pretty, pretty harsh <laughs> ways that the, it seems like the they're bringing judgment on themselves or Lord's just saying, look, these are the consequences of, of what you're walking. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the language in Hosea that we see is almost brutal. I mean, aggressive, uh, very blunt and to the point. There's yeah. not a whole lot of sugar coating uh, with some of the language that's used. So uh, whether it's the prophet speaking uh, through God or, uh, you know, God speaking directly to the people, there's mercy there, but yeah. there's also justice there very, very clearly. Yeah, sure. I like how they describe Israel as utterly defiled to the point where none of your deeds will let you even get close to God anymore. Yeah. 
which is, I think, in Hosea, like, 4 or something. But. Mm-hmm. What do you think the role of those prophets is or was? Well, it's an attempt to bring the people of Israel back to God uh, through the prophet. Uh, but even with the prophet who was appointed by God to try and bring these people back, sometimes the prophet themselves uh, tries to run away, mm-hmm. tries to <laughs> fall back into that pattern of disobedience. We see that very clearly with Jonah, yeah. who tries to completely run in the opposite direction of God. Um, so even though they have a very clear purpose, sometimes they try to get away from that purpose. Yeah. yeah. Well, you brought Jonah up. Let's let's talk about Jonah for a minute. It's interesting. All the other prophets, especially that we've read this week, uh, you got Joel, you got Hosea. Um, those are the ones that are jumping out at the moment, and we're going to read a lot more. Those prophets are almost filled with just the message, the message from God to the people, from God to the king, right? But Jonah's different. Jonah is really about the prophet himself, hmm. right? Um, but uh, what are some things that you noticed about Jonah? Well, one of the things that's different about Jonah uh, compared to Joel and Hosea is the outcome of Hmm. their prophecy. Uh, So Joel and Hosea gave their prophecy and saw a lot of pushback, saw, really didn't see any fruits of their labor. But Jonah, even though he tried to run away at first, tried to get out of his duties, when he finally accepted that, the people that he uh, was prophesying to accepted his message and turned back to God. So that's one of the interesting things that you see about Jonah is that his prophecy ended up working out, per se. Right. And who was his message to? The Assyrians in Nineveh. Yeah. yeah. Which is not the Israelites. But it's like their number one enemy yeah. at the moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And they repent. And it wasn't Israel that repented. <laughs> Even the livestock just... repented. Yeah. <laughs> which is <laughs> wild. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's crazy, right? Yeah. It's. And I think the the point of that even being in there is yeah. to say, look, the book itself is even though the prophecy was going to to the Assyrians, the the point of it was for the people of Israel to see, look, even your enemies have uh, have repented, right? And it was like a five word message, if uh-huh. that from Jonah, and the <laughs> yeah. king's like, "Yep, I'm in. Repent, whole uh-huh. city, animals, especially yep. your cow." Well, it's basically the judgment of God is coming upon you. Yeah. And there's right. no like, there was no explanation. There's no hope. There's no reason. It's just, you're all going to die. Yeah. I wrote down in the margins uh, there at his message. I think I wrote worst sermon ever. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was the best sermon ever because it was the shortest. Right? Most effective, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. He says, I'm trying to find it. 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Yeah. End quote. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and he just goes to show that the Lord was already working there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because you can't just, in a vacuum, you hear those words, assume, oh, then I need to repent. I need yeah. to, yeah. we need to fast. We need to come before uh, the Lord in repentance. But uh, I think God was doing something there. And that is an example of where God was using the enemies of Israel and Judah to turn his people back to him. You know, um, Noah, what are, what are some things that are, jumping out to you uh specifically like jose like we see this like metaphor or like analogy like to marriage mm-hmm. and how like israel is like a prostitute and god's the husband and i don't know it just shows that no matter how much we sin 
matter how much we're disconnected from him, like he's still going to constantly love us. Yeah. And I just think, I just see so much beauty like throughout that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Luke, you've just gotten married, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine you read that through a bit of a different lens. Yeah. It was actually really interesting because I've read that before because someone said, dude, you got to go read Hosea. I was like, okay. And I was like, I don't really know what that meant, but cool. It was like two, three years ago. And then I reread it now and I was like, wow, that would, mm. I think I wrote down like the, I've never thought that intensely about what God's perspective would have been like if I, which I can't be in God's shoes, but if I was in God's shoes of like the heartbreak of giving this woman or nation in God's sense, everything you have. And then they're like, cool, thanks. And they just throw it on somebody else and throw it away and like completely trash it. And you're just, you love them and you care about them, but they've thrown everything you love away. Yeah. And that like hit really differently. Yeah. I really like the analogy that uh, Hosea makes in this uh, poem where Hosea is portrayed as God and Gomer is portrayed as Israel. And then uh, Gomer's lovers are portrayed as other gods, presumably. So, and the relationship between these people, how eventually Gomer realizes that Hosea was the one that gave her everything she had, but she had squandered it with these other other lovers. And um, and, and some of the the language that Hosea uses here, like you have prostituted yourself out to these other lovers and that that word that of prostitution comes up over and over and over throughout the whole book of Hosea, where he's really harping on that, where God's people have been like prostitutes and mm. and squandered themselves among other gods. Yeah, and been unfaithful. Yeah, mm. right. I think sometimes it's easy for us to to look back into their history and say, "Man, how could they do that?" I mean, they they knew, they had seen, they had heard the stories of God's faithfulness. How can they? do that but how we have to ask the question how how do we do the same thing right so how do we do the same thing i think in the modern age um technology and social media uh and just this idea of self-importance and you know everybody wants to have a little bit of fame uh it's intoxicating um we kind of sell ourselves to other people's perception of us. Uh, we're always trying to make sure that we are we are liked among our peers. And mm. even though these peers we don't see on a daily basis, we just see them on the internet. Mm. But we want to make sure that we we keep up a good image, a good impression of, of ourselves to these other people that really don't even care about us most likely. Yeah. I was asking myself that same question when I was reading this, kind of like trying to understand why paganism was so easy to fall into for them. And I was like, I know we do the same thing because this is obviously like, we definitely do the same thing. We have the same problems. Um, But I think we don't, what Weston said, and also we don't ever really fully depend on God for anything. Yeah, It's always like, hey, we get sick, we go to the doctor. We, our car breaks down, we go get it fixed. Like we don't know how to answer this question. We look it up. And then I think one good thing that Israel did in Joel is something goes wrong. And then the few are like, hey, let's pray about it. Let's ask God, see what we're supposed to do. And then they go do it instead of like, yeah, he's sick. We're just going to take him to the doctor and then yeah, he might get better. Hopefully maybe. Right. Yeah. I think another thing that we tend to do here is, uh, especially in Western culture is give ourselves up to materialistic mm. uh, wants, uh, especially in the United States. Materialism is, I feel like, especially for me, for sure. It's a, it's a struggle for me. Uh, but for people in general, you know, people want to have a new car, a new phone, 
uh, you know, new clothes. Uh, so it's something that we've never experienced before. Um, even with groceries, I mean, you walk into this giant concrete box where there's every food you could ever imagine, and you can just pick whatever you want. And we're used to that, but that is not the case for all of human history. So that's yeah. a relatively new phenomenon, I guess, mm-hmm. but it is one that has definitely taken our society completely over, I would say, sometimes. Yeah. So our gods don't look like some mythological creature or some golden calf or wooden Asherah pole or whatever that no. thing looks like. It looks like a 2023. I have no idea. I was just, yeah. Yeah. Asherah pole. I just wasn't yeah. going to say it out loud until someone yeah. else did. Yeah. So I was wondering the same thing, honestly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You can throw me under the bus. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> What were you saying? I think yeah. sometimes our gods look like a 2023 Chevy Silverado. Yeah. Or like an 85-inch OLED TV or yeah. like a 13, iPhone 13 Pro. Yeah. I don't think the, the truck, I, I think I think that's okay. <laughs> okay, good. Good. That's good for me. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all have our idols, don't we? Yeah. I think yeah. it's, is it more doing what the culture does and less of what mm. it specifically is? Because like, we don't really directly do paganism as blatantly as they do, but everybody else did. Mm-hmm. Like it talks about that. And even in like when Paul talks about, like in first Corinthians, they're talking about, uh, they eat the temple food and they're wondering if they're allowed to do that. And if yeah. that's like enough set apart and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. but we don't, our culture has shifted to less of that religious view and more mm-hmm. of a materialistic, like self-worth, self-importance kind of view. Yeah. So is that, is us not living differently than the way we're called? But it almost seems that, these that now we are more consumed by the things of this world. Yeah. Even though we're not part of pagan religions, we're more concerned with material things that are right in front of us. And it's yeah. even more subtle. Like paganism is pretty obvious and blatant, even yeah. if it's accepted. Right. But like no one's really going to look at you differently because they don't really see the inside of your house. Like if you walk in and you have a met, like a major materialistic problem, you have a bunch of nice stuff and like... And people respect you for it. Yeah. I mean, you're you're mm-hmm. known as like a nicer, more upstanding person by the, like how nice your house is, how nice your car is, even how new your phone is. Yeah. And and I I think that's why, you know, Jesus, he went straight to the heart. Mm -hmm. You know, I often think about the, um, the Sermon on the Mount and and, uh, a lot of that's in, in Matthew five and six. And when he says, he's quoting some of the commandments, like you, you've heard it said, don't murder, but I tell you, if you've just been angry at a brother in your heart, it's 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 the same thing, mm-hmm. you know. I've you've heard it said you should not commit adultery, but if you've lusted after, then you you've done that, you know. Like Jesus went straight to the heart. Mm-hmm. He didn't always necessarily address the idols or the gods in there. He he spoke to spoke to their heart. I think that's kind of where you were. Yeah, yeah, going there. Yeah, and I think when he does that, any person that's reading it can know what their idol is. Mm. Yeah. Is it easy to identify the idols in your life? It takes a little bit of introspection. You might not be able to point it out just right off the bat, but if you're if when you really spend time and hear God speak into your heart, you find things that are in the way yeah. of that for yourself, I think. I think yeah. I can identify a few really quickly that yeah. I don't want to think about. Right. And then yeah. the deeper the ones that also cause probably deeper hurt are mm. things that I've, I just don't think about mm. that's yeah. like ingrained in our society or my lifestyle. Yeah. I have a, 
become painfully aware <laughs> over the last probably year or so for our family. We've never been frivolous spenders or, you know, anything like that. We've tried to be careful with our money, but, you know, it seems like a lot of the stuff over the past year that we have just is like, whether it's a vehicle that's just breaking down or or things, you know, our house is like 40 years old. So there's there's all these things are starting to go go wrong and uh, having to fix. And, and I've found myself like almost being, well, not almost, it, I'll call it what it is, you know, envious of others. Like, man, they never have to worry about that, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that's something that the, I think God's been bringing to the surface in me mm. like oh man maybe maybe I, maybe envy is is something that i really struggle with and or things have become god's things that i'm pursuing or mm. or thinking about more than i'm pursuing pursuing him and that's uh a little painful <laughs> yeah so um as you guys were were talking and and when you introduce yourself, you talked about the the community and stuff that you're in. Um, it seems one of the things that I've I've noticed through this, it, it, it seems that, or at least it's not recorded. You don't see a lot of the people like speaking into each other, into their community about, hey guys, we shouldn't be doing this, you know, or we <laughs> shouldn't be following after this God, or we know that. How have you guys seen, um, or what role? does community and your friendships uh, play in, I guess, helping you walk in the ways of the Lord instead of walking away from Him? I think it's really hard to accomplish something as complex as spiritual growth by yourself. Hmm. Uh, If you're just, if the only time you ever experience God is by yourself in your room, maybe you make some progress, but I know personally for me, being a part of the gathering, being a part of the small group with these guys has absolutely been one of the biggest reasons why I've been able to continue to grow uh, the the way that I have. Uh, just having encouragement from other guys, knowing that they're going through similar things that I am, and I'm not alone. Uh, you know, if I never was a part, of, if I was never involved with these guys, I wouldn't know that they struggled with the same things that yeah. I do. I wouldn't know that these guys love the Lord like I do, and they want to see me grow, and I want to see them grow. I want to help them uh, grow in their relationship with God just as much as they want to see me do the same. So I think that is absolutely invaluable. And you guys you guys have led groups. You've been a part of groups. Um, how do you challenge each other? Or do you? <laughs> we definitely do. Yeah, It just looks different for each group. I usually try to come up with a couple questions that challenge me and then throw them out there. And then usually someone else will ask something challenging or someone will read something and be like, like, Hey, why don't we do this? Or like, why, why don't we do this better? Um, or even like we'll do prayer requests at the ends and then like ask intentional questions. Like if someone says, Hey, I'm struggling with something. We're like, Hey, what are you struggling with? How can we help you with that? Mm-hmm. Or in like a friendship setting, like have the authority and the accountability and the maturity to call each other out and be called out. Yeah. You'd be like, Hey, this, you really shouldn't be living like this. And like, here's why. And like Jesus tells us not to, and yeah. then like pray with them, work, work with them through it. Yeah, it definitely doesn't always happen in our small group setting yeah. where, mm-hmm. you know, that's our agenda. That's what, that's what we're there for. Right. But sometimes 
when we're outside of that setting, when we're just being friends. Uh, I've noticed sometimes after an encounter or after, you know, a certain event or something like that, we'll, we can, we step back and say, I really didn't like how that went down. Uh, I didn't like how we handled that. And it's not, I'm calling you out. I don't like how you did that. It's guys, we can be better than that. Mm -hmm. I think next time we should do X to better handle the situation or something like that. Yeah. Um, something that you, you said there, maybe take, there's an, uh, an older man in, in my life that, uh, um, is a part of a group that I'm a part of basically. And, uh, and one thing he has said to our group occasionally is, gentlemen, we're better than this. <laughs> <laughs> but we need that. Like, we, yeah. we need that voice in our lives, right? Uh, is that easy to do or easy to receive? It's easier when you know that the people that you're talking to really are going to listen and mm take what you're saying to heart. If you're just talking to a brick wall, maybe you don't speak up, but I know that I know that these guys are actually going to listen to me and mm-hmm. we'll have a good conversation because of it. So I, just us being honest with each other and being open with each other and you know really not keeping things from each other, um, that really makes it easier to speak into other people's lives and to have other people speak into your life. Yeah. So I think us just having the friendship that we have and you know, being kind of grounded in the same foundation, that makes it a lot easier for th- those kind of conversations to happen. Yeah, yeah. Luke, I don't know if we got to you. What, are there some other things that, that have been jumping off the page to you? I think we've kind of hit all the little points that I thought were cool, like Hosea and its um, like its meaning. And then the fact that Israel is so habitually disobedient and God still loves them. And he's going mm-hmm. to let them suffer consequences, but he still loves them and his mercy is still shown. I think the coolest part for me was seeing Hosea and Jonah in context because mm-hmm. I've read them before and studied them before, but I've never read them straight through. And it was like, you read for forever through first Kings and second Kings <laughs> and second Chronicles. And it's just like, man, we all suck. This is terrible. <laughs> and then you hit Jonah and you're like, Oh, that's what he was talking to. Mm. He's talking to this nation that's been absolutely disobedient for 150 years. Yeah. And then he hits Hosea and he's like, mm. guys, my, I'm heartbroken. I wish you would just love me back. Mm. Uh, yeah, just, I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah. God wishing that the people would love him back. Yeah. Because we see, uh, I want to read a little section from Hosea chapter six. He says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. But like Adam, you broke my covenant and betrayed my trust. So that really shows the character of God. He just wishes that people would love him back. He wishes that he could be their king, but they just repeatedly turn away from him and want to worship other idols or other gods. That's really interesting, especially when we think about how people often look at, you know, they kind of separate this this Old Testament God is just full of, but no, his heart is relationship. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Even in this, you know, I like the ending of Jonah a lot in that same context where like Jonah's being a total jerk, total (laughs) butthead this whole time. And he gets to the end and he's still upset about it. And he's sitting and God gives him this plant. And then Jonah has a bad attitude about it. So mm-hmm. God lets it take it, like a worm, take it away. And then Jonah's basically just like ranting to God. And God's only response is, is it right for you to be angry about this? Mm-hmm. And he's just like trying to give him some perspective. It's not like he doesn't go off on Jonah. He doesn't yell at Jonah. He doesn't like kill Jonah. He's just like, do you think what you're doing is right? Yeah. And like, I just, I'm not mad. I'm, I always read it as like, God's not angry. He's just disappointed and yeah. heartbroken. 
Yeah. And like wishes he would do something better. And it ends right there. Yeah. And there's no, there's no response <laughs> yeah. from Jonah. There's no like, what, what, what happened? Like what happened to Jonah after that? You know, yeah. uh, did he, did he, oh God, you're right. Or did he, you know, it's just left there. Yeah. Mm. And, I, and I think that's intentional. Mm. You know, it, it, it's intentional for the reader to say, oh man. Yeah. What I care about more about my comfort or my prejudices than I care about these people. I think that that was kind of God's point. You know, would yep. you rather you, you're getting angry about this plant <laughs> and you're angry about the fact that I just saved 120,000 people. Yeah. I mean, the the last verse is uh, God talking to Johnny. He says, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. It's funny. He throws the animals in there. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, shouldn't they I feel sorry too. for they such a great after yeah, all. They yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The cows wore their burlap. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. But he ends with, like, shouldn't I be sorry for them? Like, shouldn't I love them too? Yeah, and that's it. I think that kind of points to us too. Even yeah. as Christians, we you know we see people that are different from us and that we think are not living in the right way. Uh, it's easy easy for us to pass judgment on them, but God loved a city, a city full of one hundred twenty thousand sinners enough to save them from from damnation. Hmm. Why should we not extend the same love? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you could just sum up what you've read or the things that stuck out to you, if you could sum it up and in one word, what would you say? Honestly, I would say like like chosen. Mm. I could say anything. Yeah. Why would you say that? Because God continually pours out his love for us and his attention and is constantly like choosing us to be followers of him. Mm. I mean, it's, it's just kind of like, I don't know, I just kind of got that word like the, the whole reading this week yeah that's really beautiful like to to think that man god ran after me and that's what he did through the prophets really right mm-hmm. yeah luke obey i'm glad you said that because i was tied between two words because i'm horrible with these one word questions <laughs> that's like my, my least personality is hardest question to answer uh i would say since he said chosen i would say rebellion mm. like repeated habitual rebellion yeah which is also mixed in with what we've talked about with how God still loves them. Yeah. But their whole pattern to this is rebellion. Rebellion. Yeah. To contrast Luke, I would say promise mm-hmm. uh, because you have repeated rebellion, but you also have constant promise from God that he never breaks. He, he says that he will never completely abandon his people. He will never let their name be wiped from the earth. And even though they repeatedly disobey him, repeatedly rebel against him, he always finds a way to, to bring them back to him. To, to not break his promise. Yeah. yeah. Man, guys, thanks. Uh, thanks for your insight. It's been fun to to hear your different perspectives. And uh, also, it's just been fun to hang out with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 It's been thanks awesome. for having us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we want to thank the River Community Church for sponsoring this podcast. And if you're in Cookville and looking for a church home, we'd love to invite you to come out. And you can check out more about us at theriverCC.com. Thanks, and join us next time on The Word This Week.